is to um, you know get a chance for uh, the men in the, in the world and the community to, to learn from other men um, so you know you know I don't qualify myself as some intelligent guy like this I mean Neither do we <laughs> I, I, this, I feel really like yeah. I think the thing that's giant in my life is I sit on the shoulders of giants right. being brought up with immigrants so I think it's it's just something that's ingrained into me I, I just don't know any other way yeah so, so being, being, being the, 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 the son of immigrants, uh, when did you come to the country? Well, I was born here. Oh, sorry, you were born here. But being the son, they came here, uh, my, my dad was born in Ukraine, my grandpa, my, my mom's brother was born in Ukraine, she was born here, you know, she was and then moved out, like, but north in Alberta, man, they moved the Ukrainians all up the top, mountains, you know, like to the farms, made them work their way out. And worked their way into uh, uh, Vancouver. Yeah, it wasn't they weren't allowed to come in yeah. unless you had this. It was very there was there was, there was a lot of prejudice back then. So whereabouts in the in the city did you grow up? I grew up in East Vancouver. East yeah, Vancouver. like literally on uh, twenty two thirty six Garden Drive two five five six five four two. So just <laughs> off, just off a of commercial. Well, actually, off of Nanaimo goes commercial two blocks Victoria and then Victoria's one two long ones and I was on Garden. It's uh, uh, six blocks off commercial. And what, just out of curiosity, like what did your parents do when you were growing up? My dad was an iron worker. He was a tough guy. Yeah. He uh, didn't get a lot of work back then. The boom wasn't happening yet. Like he used to say, man, if you would have saw the cranes like today, it would have been gold mine. But like, because you could tell by the skyline how many cranes were out there. I always think of that because look at the construction in the last few years, 10 years or so. But uh, he was an iron worker, always in and out of the house. Then he'd bounce sometimes and... Yeah, he, it was a really chaotic. I, I didn't know if he was my uncle or my dad until a certain time. Then I found out he was my dad. Then they got divorced and laid along the line. So it was, I was really this. I was mad at yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. And my grandpa was living with us. Old school guy who couldn't speak any English, just yell. So I think that's where I get my freneticness from. <laughs> it's just like, okay, yeah. this is thanks. Because look at my dog. It's so mellow, you know, and... Intuitive. I think where did you get that? Oh yeah, your mom. <laughs> your mom, you know, Linda. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, it's it's so it, it was just uh, it's a beautiful neighborhood though because you had and I think this is a, actually a great vamp is you really are at the start of the gate subject to your outline subject to your to your your, your homestead or your environment mm-hmm. you really are yeah mm-hmm. yeah. It's very true. I mean, I, I grew up in uh, in not northern Alberta, but mm-hmm. I mean, just uh, just outside of Edmonton, in a town called oh, St. Albert. Yeah. And um, I mean, I used to go and play hockey all the time in Vegreville, where yeah, you know yeah. there's tons of Ukrainians out yeah. there. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very different. It's a very different energy. It's a very different vibe. the The culture is 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 so different from Vancouver. It's it's so funny. Like when people, when you know, when people. Um, move here it's a completely different feeling and i think that there's there's so much merit in having lived in in both spaces so um, but it brings a brings a different perspective to the world and it brings a different you know viewpoint on, yeah. on you, you you have a a different lens that you look you do you know, and, and and see and we're subject somewhat from our perspective because you're talking from the top of the, the the hill this guy's talking 
or look at houses. You're talking from this perspective, the bungalow. This person's about the four bed. This guy lives in the basement suite. If you stay there your whole life, it is that is your environment. That's how we uh, adapt. And that's, I think it's interesting that there's one constant, and that is your mind and your basic, those built-in needs to, to, to discover, to understand, to, know, to ask questions. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah, I mean, you seem you seem like a very um, creative and and question asking kind of person. Like, did you, yeah. as a kid, you know, when you're growing up, it, yeah. Yeah. I got in trouble. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Just because why? In those days, it was that's insolent, right. and it's like, no. My mom said I should always ask everybody why. You know, watch out for strangers, anybody. So I took that. Look out for strangers. Look out for this that teachers, anyone. Like why? Because my grandpa was paranoid. He thought the Russians were going to come and take us. No, 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 literally. That's why he gave me Irish names. Wow. So, yeah, so I asked a lot of questions and still do. This was, we just did our video. It's going to be a good video for Milano. It's quite funny. Uh, well, I wouldn't say funny. It's, it's intuitive. The guy has been coming to our place. He knows us. He's heard the conversation. Because it's fun to tell a story. Because yeah. uh, really, I learn. I love stories. Right. I got some interesting mentors. When you said who mentors, I had some interesting, like when I really put it together, like, wow. You know, like sometimes you think the people who stand out that were kind of lampposts. You don't know why. But uh, um, anyways, uh, oh, coffee just kicked in. Uh, <laughs> no, it does do that. Yeah. You know? So, so we're, 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 for the listeners out there, we're, we're currently sitting in Milano Coffee in, in uh, Gastown in downtown Vancouver. Um, sitting here with Brian Turco, the, the founder and, and owner of Milano Coffee. Um, Brian, how did you get into the, the coffee business and where did your love of coffee come from? You know, it's, that's kind of interesting. As a, as a kid, my job in the house, besides uh, um, um, dusting and everything, was making coffee for my, for my mom, mostly. You know, she was on her way to work in the morning. Or she liked her coffee, but it was the Sanka, you know, and I did not like the smell of it. You know, one of my attributes in coffee is I have a good nose. You know, nine-tenths of what you taste is via the olfactory, is your, their aromas. So at a young age, I just thought, how can you guys drink this? It smells like cabbage and awful things and, like, you know, nothing, nothing was colorful. And I really hated coffee as a kid, hated the smell of it. My dad would boil this robust. I could smell it right now in my mind's memory, my nose memory. I could smell this, this percolating robusta going, Dad, this is sick. whole house would smell like cabbage and wood. And he'd say, oh, this is state of the art. This is new books. My dad was a beatnik or considered himself one. And he was. Dad was a real real deal, actually. Pioneer Tai Chi into Vancouver. Really? Yeah, hid, hid a, a master, a stowaway, into, uh, and hit him in our basement, got him refugee status, and the rest is history. Tai Chi Association of Canada. But that's besides the point. That's an interesting story for a, for a guy who's, uh, you know, displaced, per se, in a different era, you know. But uh, coffee was something that, m- being in a band, I, I write, and I was playing some music, we did the, played the Commodore when we were young, you know, wow. 23 or something like that, and so all these mus- musicians would stay up all night and just drink coffee, so I'd try it, and tell you the truth, it was like a laxative to me, I just thought, okay, I'll, I'll be back, <laughs> and uh, no kidding, it was like that, and I just think, this is stupid, then I'd get all hyper, because it was very cheap coffee in those days, robust as like 100 to 700% more uh, caffeine in it, which I didn't need at that time, maybe to stay up, but not to, you know, stay up all night, I, uh, whatever. So it all happened when I'm from East Vancouver. I grew up with a, on the other side of the street. I didn't plan on it, just where I was placed, right, in life. And um, I uh, 
left a very tough group. I don't know if I should say this, but in 1981, uh, 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 cocaine was came into Vancouver like nobody's business. And if you're with the bad side of life, it always went through. It always went through impoverished areas, East Van. And just wasn't good. Wasn't my thing. Uh, and I saw a lot of people getting into it and crashing. And I saw something. I saw the future, man. I got this, this natural paranoia. It's like this voice inside said, man, you better exit stage right here. Because it's not just what it does. It's what's going to happen. And just so you know, I buried, I'm on my third best friend just because they did it for a long time and things, repercussions and stuff. Right. I mean, life's fragile that way, I understand. But this is literally, it's kind of interesting in September now going back to think about that. But anyways, I left that group of people. And being a social person, where do you go? Pubs and taverns? Then you're going to go there and they're all there. Vancouver was a very small city back then, you guys, yeah. in 1981. It literally was. Uh, if you went to North Vancouver to a, a, a club or a party and you met some... Nice young ladies and that. It was always, so where are you from? It was like, oh, uh, East Van, you know, East Van. And there was always a silent, like a quietness. And I think some of them backed up like four <laughs> feet. And they'd go, oh, oh, so you're from the other side of the bridge. Right. So you're pegged with that. Yeah. So anyway, so where do I go? I, I don't drive. I just come out of music. I was actually on the system. We had a big... Uh, um, like literally welfare, uh, UIC, kind of get my weeks together. Uh, talk about a little bit of hunger. Maybe that's what, what gets me to where I'm going. I think it's good to, to be, I'm just still that person. You know, you wake up like today being late even. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired. You know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> so it was just a typical need for social networking. I didn't have the Facebook, thank God, or I'd have been a freaking idiot. Yeah. I would have never known coffee. I would have known, man, am I getting old in this Facebook thing. <laughs> wow, I just watch myself age. And, you know, anyways, that's a bit of silliness, but it's kind of funny, right? Because I see my daughter in it all the time until she walks in the walls. And I go, that's kind of a sign for your life. Yeah. This, yeah. this is a great walkie-talkie, a great library, great for research, but talk to people, my yeah. girl. So anyways, I would just, I was a jogger. I jogged for, uh, I used to be one of those guys I would run for an hour to three hours. Didn't even time myself. I just ran, man. And I liked it. Let's face it. I liked endorphins. And uh, I think it goes with having a, a you know, being fast somewhat. Um, I'm enlightened. I was a lot of hope for some old Ukrainians. You know what I mean? And uh, and they come up, what? He's a five foot one? No, I'm not that sure. But anyways, that's what it's like. You know, they, they say, well, he's supposed to be like the rest of Ukrainians. Well, how are we going to take over Vancouver with a guy that size? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know. But anyways, uh, that's, uh, so what happened was I just would jog uh, through the whole neighborhood. And I'd go, hey, let's go commercial drive. I used to play pool there as a kid. It's part of this cool interview we did with this uh, video we're, we're just doing. And yeah, I, I realized I hung around there. I'm used to Italian people. They were very abusive back then. Uh, they're mean. They thought you went, you know, what are the kids doing here? We're gambling, we're drinking coffee and, you know, whatever, next thing. So I just would stand my ground and say, hey, man, my dad says that this is Canada. You guys are Italian, we're Ukrainian, and we're not to be prejudiced. Like, literally, that's why I did get in some trouble when I was awesome. younger. But I said it like it is, like innocently. Like, what are you guys, hey, wait a minute, I'm not in Russia. You guys are freaking Canadians too. Like, yeah. mellow out. I think you guys are here illegally, some of you too, you know? <laughs> So I just literally started like that, went and had a coffee, you know, I, and I remember getting this coffee, uh, asked for coffee, and this is a true story, where uh, 
Marcello's is now, it's a, a restaurant now. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was the Italian coffee bar, and it was like mafia, man. This is where six in the morning, if you're catching a bus, you'd see all these guys coming in and meeting, you know. It was, some of it was for soccer, but some of it was for who knows? Like, why? Yeah, there's something's going on, man. Yeah, yeah. Me, and, me and Linda used to see that when we'd uh, take buses everywhere because we had no car when we got married. And uh, so anyways, here I am going to work around uh, around two months later because we just moved in this, this neighborhood. East Van. Um, didn't get too far in my life, you know. So I live within around a couple yeah, mile yeah. radius. So I went and got a coffee once. I said, oh, give me a cappuccino. I just... Because I heard some Italians saying, oh, I don't get those. You don't like them. I say, thanks, man. So I got a cappuccino. But the thing was, I asked for cappuccino. 15 minutes, I was waiting still. I felt like a, a you know, a, a, a black man in southern states or something. I said, excuse me, can I get some bacon and eggs? And it was just like, they'd ignore me. Until I just went, hey, man, excuse me, can I get a cappuccino? I've been, you served around 10 guys in front of me. And uh, can you imagine that happening in Vancouver now? You'd get ratted on so quick. You'd be yelped, man. I tell you, you'd have the, you know, the, the complaint police down there so quick. It'd be kind of funny. So that's why perspective, even this interview, this is a little funny in a way because we're looking through the lens of 30 years ago, something, you know, and uh, which is relative because I says, they says, well, this is Italian stuff. You may not like it. I said, no, I, I would like it. I'd really appreciate a, one of those, a cappuccino. So the guy made me one and I drank three of them. <laughs> one and he looked and I gave him a tip by five bucks I'll never forget it it was buck fifty a, a, a drink uh, for a small cappuccino it was only six ounces though but nevertheless it was really good Italians know how to make a good cappuccino at least they did then uh, you know so anyways I had three of them a little sugar and I thought this is good man so I came there every morning after that and became a regular and uh uh, even uh, it just started like that, where people wouldn't get to know me. The the guy who's not Portuguese or Italian, who because I used to have like blonde hair, you know, skinny guy, like skin. You know, I mean, really, like just wiry kid. And I I used to look like I was like 15 till I was around till I got married. <laughs> Boom, real quick after that, you know, the grays came. But anyways, it all started just out of a need to socialize, and and I found that it was kind of a drag being kind of uh, um, sitting on the outskirts and not being able to communicate. So I'd phone some of my friends, say, hey, man, meet me up to drive for coffee. And that's how we pioneered the today West Coast, like the crossover coffee bar. I didn't mean to get into that, but it's a fact. People always go, so what were you doing back there, bro? Like, how did it get to where it is? Like, what? I go, we invited people to hang around places that they wouldn't hang for the coffee. Mm-hmm. And where did your passion for coffee come from? I mean, where did you... When did you start to, to to create this true passion, expertise, cultivating uh, you know your love for it? You know what's interesting? You say that is I, I found out I had a palate. Yeah. You ever have some of you guys? Some of you guys listen to music. Someone picks up a guitar, and they just seem to have a flow at it. Right. Well, it was like that kind of with coffee. Is I could actually tell the different types of coffee. I could go to Joe's. I could go to uh, the, the Italian coffee bar. They did cappuccinos really good. Joe did a, a different cappuccino. This guy did a mocha good. But what I found out, and yes, I started with mochas. I did not like that strong coffee right away. It was very strong back then. It's a lot of robusta and, and older school styles. But what's very interesting is, is I discovered that I could distinguish, even so milk, everybody has a, 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 a scale, whether you judge coffee from milk, cappuccino, uh, Americano, you become used to it. You know, you, you, 
you, you, it becomes your thing. I could actually tell the different notes in coffee via the cappuccino. Could never do the latte, okay? And for one, is this cafe latte? Latte means milk. I, you know, it's a cafe means coffee uh, in in Italian. Um, so that was simply it. I could actually go and be in that guy, very straight up, asking questions. There's some good books out there called The Death of Why and Cur Something Curiosity. A teacher gave this to me because I met her when I was in Toronto when we opened the new store there. And it's good to ask questions, and it's, and it's good to ask for the right answer if you don't believe it's the answer. I'm serious. Yeah. Because whatever you – it's like your ears and your brain is like an app. Make sure there's no bugs in it if you're going to download it, man, because there's just too much spin in this world right now because yeah. of, of – we understand business leverage. Leverage is – the economy is starting to reflect on the physicality and the, the mind of man right now, I believe totally, where what we have should infect on, on the economy, which is how the economy started. Genius, you know, we had surplus, surplus, and then, as we know, uh, uh, people who love making lots of money found the, 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 the secret, how to make money. But at the same time, you don't want to lose a natural consensus of, of humanity at the same time, you know, because we just did a little article regarding mm, common, mm, who, who's your market? Right. And it's us, you guys. We're the guys that buy, sell, and trade. We just somebody, you know. But anyways, that's another story. So I would ask the question and go, hey, Joe, uh, why is your cappuccino kind of tastes like rubber? Because my palate was so true and, and kind of dirty. There's something like something that smells off on it or tastes off. And he goes, well, this is, and he goes, well, like, compared to what? You're not Italian. And they're very intimidating, very and I'd say, well, the guy down the street, the guy named, uh, you know, he, his isn't like it. That, this is more licorice And then I met Francesco, my mentor, the guy who, you know, who knew that this guy came from Seattle, couldn't get a visa, consulted for Howard Schultz at the time, fact. And in, in 1997, uh, this guy, the owner of Starbucks, came into Milano to buy Francesco's intellectual property. But I didn't know anything. All I knew was this guy's coffee because I quit drinking coffee uh, for three months. I was running, working out, and I was getting stomach aches. So I thought, that oh, must be me. Uh, must, coffee mustn't be good for you. I'm getting in such good shape, which I was. I'm real shape. I was around your age, you know. Uh, you know, a little, you know, around, I was around 31, I remember. Yeah, 33. But uh, what was really interesting was he says, well, Brian, if this, I walked in a store, I won't get into it, but I, I tasted his espresso with just a little bit of sugar because everybody used it then. And I go, this is, I can't believe it. I, I can't, I've never experienced this. I own the company. This is profound. Like I quit drinking coffee. But I remember going in going, why is yours so good? Like, and he says, well, they're not all created equal. What? I thought espresso was all the same, man. Yeah. I thought, you know, a lager's a lager, uh, a IPA's an IPA. I didn't understand the power of brand names or what the heck a brand name was to represent. Was, you know, what is the, what is the gastronomy to it, you know? Like, uh, I'm in coffee gastronomy, which is basic, just things you ingest and to do with your body and, and such. So that's how it started, was literally asking questions, insulting some by being honest, and complimenting others. Right. But it's just that honesty, you know, I didn't know. And my mom used to even say, son, you're paying $2.50 for a coffee. It was a mocha, okay? Yeah. It was a mocha. Yeah. Okay, you know, it had the big whipped cream. I can remember it. And lots of milk. 
Uh, it was a mocha. She has son. I think those Italians are <clears throat> taking. You know, my mom was like, she thought she was Jewish. Right? They're, they're taking you for it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the the cool things about your story is that so often passion and creativity just sort of unfold from a sense of curiosity. That's right. Right. And you know, I think your story really embodies that in some senses, in all senses actually, is that, that. you you really had this sort of like curiosity to ask the questions. Right. And you know, for the listeners that are out there, I think a lot of people struggle to tap into that sense of of passion and creativity. Individuality. And, yeah. That you don't know if you have, but you do have it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's something to be said for um, continuing to probe and ask those questions and keep pushing and and, and try to like you said, uh, push for the push for the right answer or push for, and you can't really do that unless you're truly passionate about something. Well, all, yeah. all I simply wanted was my value. Yeah. Because after a while, I started feeling like, hey, come on, let's face it. When you go and pay somewhere for twelve bucks a cup because of this, this is why you come and talk to me about. It. I'll tell you, it's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's fluff. Yeah. As as my mentor, I mean, come on, this guy was a giant. The Italians invented this. He says, Brian. Espresso coffee, I don't care what way you put it, was never meant to be this espresso or this expensive. Mm-hmm. It was actually created out of poverty. It was created it's out the, of... It's the people's drink. Exactly. Yeah. And if you notice, we keep it, we, you know, we keep our prices like this because I got into this business at a poor time in my life. This is where my, the spirit of invention came. I went, this is going to be, this is... Man, because a lot of people started coming to the cafes after two years. I started seeing artists, musicians, all these people I knew started coming together but I tell you it is that when you see something and and then you then you go on you see the markets change you go well they're changing because there's money a lot of money involved the only reason you're seeing the hype now is because it's the sec- second largest uh, traded commodity next to you know oil and ranks up there but really you guys it is a cheap thrill or in our uh, expensive luxury. So I absorb a lot, and I don't want to get in our business plan because I am able to, as my friend Tris says, I like my price because I am vertical. I do source it green. I do roast it myself. I do the job of three, four people, my brother and my wife do, so we can live a simpler life and give a, a product that is un, uncomparable because it's we we... It's genuine, but you know what's really fantastic? If I could speak a little bit about the uh, the positive side of being selfish, because I only had ten bucks for my budget that week, I wanted, you know, and this is a difference. When there's not a lot of money, you think a lot different. You go, okay, I like coffee, but I'm gonna buy a pound for home to start with, rather than go out there and you know pay like eight bucks for a beer nowadays, rather than maybe get your case or something. So I would go get my pound. I'd have ten dollars for that week as my my budget. And I went, okay, that's good. I got, I'll skip every second day, go down to Joe's or whatever, buck 50, or I'd go for two, or I'd be able to buy someone one. I was like that. To this day, it's my thing. If you come into any of my cafes, you got to have one with me. I just have to. I'm sorry, you know, or your friends will. And, and that. So that's where the value was. I asked questions. I went, yours is like rubber. You weren't very nice when I asked you why. And yeah, I, actually, I was, was rejected. I, 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 you know, like people nowadays are so fear of rejection, you know, they want to fit in so much and we're, we're suckers a lot when it comes to, you know, buying things. I'm, I got a 19 year old daughter. I see how that generation is just learning to understand the, 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 mm, value and tender consideration. It's, we make the contract every day, you know, we all know that what it is, but a lot of people, you're not thinking you spend because you got a, a surplus of it. When you don't have it, you think. So I think it's really and they're, and they're also not being brought up to ask why. 
That's yes. They they take everything as face value. They believe well, that you know if Kim if Kim Kardashian tells me it's true, then it's got to be true. Yeah. And if she tells me it's wrong, then it's got to be wrong. Well, I, you know, here I got to be a little make a joke here. I hear from one of her shows she's an espresso connoisseur. <laughs> she gets really upset if she doesn't get her cappuccino met right. So we're actually trying to get one of our our, our coffees to her. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> the thing is, but maybe now she'll be able to help people. This is good, yeah. and people know. But it's true, she is, and we know people are going to try to get her coffee to her. But it is true because when you only have ten dollars and you spend it frivolously or stupidly, now you, you there goes your week. Isn't that a different value thing? Now you just go oh, ten bucks. I can just go. I could go in debt for eighty thousand before my my visa turns me off. That's happening, man. Mm -hmm. And I think part of you know, there's that great saying, you guys. If you're if you're good with, you could juggle. Because I like to learn how to play guitar. My friend always says, Dave Martone, Brian. Now that you got the three notes, play them slowly. Practice them. Don't think you're just going to get there. Have patience. Patience is an amazing attribute, especially in business. Mm Like, honestly, if you're building something solid and generational, if you're just doing something fast, well, then that's a whole different world. I don't understand that. It's not for me. I, I, I can't do that. But people are good at that. And you need that balance, too, of trade. Only, you know, our friend Tris. I mean, so I, I kind of want to dig into that a little bit in, in terms of, um, you know, what your definition of success is. Because I think, you know, in, the, in this community, in the community that you're in, um, you are viewed as a, as a success. And I think from, from an outsider perspective, like, you know, I've, I've been to your coffee shop for years. So it's in some regards, it's, it's a great, you know, this is a, just an honor to sit, sit across from you and have this conversation and get to know you. Um, but I'm curious. Thank what, you. First of all, yeah. you know, it's, it's sometimes it's, you know, you meet a lot of people and you feel really that you're, uh, it's, sometimes you're really alone at this cause you want to accommodate. You meet so many people. There's no one favorite over the other. You just, and it's really special. It's really, really a humbling reality, and I'm not just saying that. It's it's actually, it's it's really a kindness. So I appreciate this. Mm-hmm. So so can you uh, give our give us and, and our listeners insight into what your definition of success is? And I'd also like to add: Has that definition changed over the years? You know, this is. I thought about this a lot. You know, I'd rather just talk about one issue. I know there's some great questions here because, like, uh, first of all, you look at the root of that word to succeed is uh, I think something every day, every day we're given those like, starting off with little, right? You got, uh, I watch some guys who could juggle, right? I love that. I just go, come on, now that's amazing, okay? Coffee, mm, it's not so, that is amazing. But they start with one or two. So every day you're given a couple little batons, man, and you got to throw them, you know? You come out the day, let's face it, or inspired. I know you guys would be because we're having this conversation. There's, there is an attraction to to, let's face it, to positive frequency. Uh, and I'm likewise. I've always, uh, you know, I'll share some of my mentors later, which is really all over the place, but they all possess something really, really unique. And what I, I found that if you could, and success is something different for everybody. If you're staring at a dollar bill, it's having lots of those. Mine, it's, it's really not. My goal was to be able to have a freedom to do what my imagination allowed me to do. That wasn't offensive. That was good. That would, would actually honor my, my parents because they were that old school and they died like my age. Like I'm, I just turned 56. I hope so. Oh my gosh, I hope I'm not any older than that. But they kind of all died at that age. They were so, and I mean, I'd, I'd break my heart if I had to depart so quick, right? So I guess one thing was, I thought, wow, you guys, 
guys were in a kerfuffle. You thought way too hard. You worried way too much. And I hated that as a kid. And I says, I'm going to be happy, man. You guys are crazy. You talk about this new world and you're all peed off about something, you know, uh, and, and something. So I, my need or whatever success is going to be different from the other person. So I, I don't want to be biased or anything. This is open-ended. But, but honestly, to succeed was something each day. I was given one day. And my grandpa and mom would say, you go make the best of that day. You'd be nice to your neighbor. you talk to people. You'd be nice to people. Uh, they would make the world a better place. And remember, they were all over the place. Uh, people, they were trying to fit into a new world. They brought up Orthodox, uh, Greek Orthodox, Catholic. So, and then they come in this new world that is, hey, man, this is, this is the urban world. And it was quite enticing. I mean, I was brought up in the 70s, you guys. I was a kid of the 60s and 70s, you know. And I saw their styles, and I watched and I saw what was going on in the 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 the, the, the TV at the time but to me I I really think okay so you could succeed in getting up and taking care of keeping your head straight for one day emotions this that trials angers come on man 30 years old 31 my testosterone I was like that's why I ran for for literally 10 15 miles a day I I just had this immense sense of energy and I couldn't sit and listen to negative stuff all day long. Being from East Vancouver, the very thing that shocked me to want to get out of there was just this negativity. It was not the same East Van, you guys. On, trust me, it just, it was grease balls. It was, you walked through the park, you got bullied on, you had to go, I don't want to hurt anybody, but all of a sudden, wow, that judo paid off, you know? And I learned to stand up for myself. I think really success is standing up for yourself in, in this essence, without having to offend anybody, but is getting through from this side of the park to this side. I went to a Catholic school at a young age, and you hear all the stories and this and that. Well, you kids' imagination. Whoa. I said, so life is like Clark Park. And anybody who knows Clark Park back then would appreciate this. The school was here. Clark Park was here, and this is where all the tough guys were. Sniff glue, threw knives out of the tree when you're walking by. So most people just kind of go through the park and then down the stairs, down the street. I had to get over my fears. I had faith, man. I'm not going to be afraid of anything. You know, I was told I got angels around me. So, uh, you know, so I'd get through that park and I'd, I'm going through it. And I just felt this. you got to go through it because it was time for me to overcome fears. It's like that show Stand By Me where they'd all do those things by the train tracks. Well, we did those too. We got chased. We got hit by salt guns. Like by the, like, I mean, it was really a different world back then, which I'm really glad in a way because everything was made simpler. That allows me to, to convey a, maybe something like success because there's either failure. If I would have went through that park, got fearful, or something bad happened, to me, I failed. Because I was told, I had a vision of what I had to do or what I sensed I need to do. We all have that. Our inner man is very, very powerful. And, and, that. and so as I, I said to this one nun, I said, so in essence, life from here to that day I go, is, it all starts with good intentions, but that park is the world I got to live through and I got to get through it because it's got all these bad people in it or whatever. You know, you remember, you're great too you're just you're a little turd man and i would walk through that park and i could remember seeing this these guys in the trees af and this and they throw their 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 knife right by my foot and i just keep walking and then i'd run (laughs) run, man and then i mean i ran fast i just felt like somebody was running behind me well i did it every day until i wasn't afraid no more until i'd ask them a question 
Like, why are you throwing that at me? Well, one of my best friends is Stan Fittis to this day. He was, he was one of those guys. This is very funny. Uh, he was one of those Clark Parkers. But anyways, to, that analogy really seriously has been that thing in front of me every day. Anytime I have a new endeavor, like coffee bars. When I try to open coffee bars, everybody laughs. Brian, you could drink up Beano's or Denny's all day long for 30 cents. Like, Brian, refills. Dude, coffees, what are you thinking? Yeah. Now, I have this vision that this thing was going to be huge. Like, I literally, I, I had a, kind of a business thing. I thought, you know, I had this thing. No, this coffee bar. You just get a machine, 18 grand, you know, and a space. And people like it. It's about hyper sobriety. Everybody's getting to jazzercise. That's when jogging was in. Oh, I, and I was that size. Right. But it became, it, it became your Clark Park. That's right. Yeah. It was like, I got to get through this. And then all of a sudden, hey, the first, uh, I remember, spin the bottle with that. Maria Silva, <laughs> hear it again, that success. Here's being a dude. You know, you're starting, you know, you already saw the sex edge, grade, grade five, right? This is now grade six, you know, and I remember it was like, wow, she was like, oh, wow. It's like, and so Maria Silva, she was two years older than everybody. So she had, a, you know, she had, you could smell her hair, everything. Maria Silva, she's my best friend. She used to get kicked out of her house a lot too. We both did. We got kicked out of schools a lot. Literally because of, uh, it was bad relationships with our parents that we asked, trying to reconcile outside, and it didn't happen. So I remember the first time, like, being able to, you know, spin the bottle and pull it off and not offend Maria Silva. And to, you know, here, you're a good kisser. You know, you look at yourself when you're young, you're this little turd. Like, you look, you go, dude, you're, you're a kid. Like, this is embarrassing. Uh, you know, it was my son. But there again was a success that, that you know, that this, you didn't get rejected. And then, you know, I went out with her cousin for a while, right? And that was just crazy. You just all of a sudden, wow, I'm okay. So all these six, you, these things, we all need them because they're these, these little snakes and ladders that define your personality. And when that doesn't happen, you get choked. You know how that hurts, man. It does. It hurts right in the heart. Rejection. Even when you have a real all-out one with your, your wife or your girlfriend, you just go, wow. We're fragile, man. My heart is as big as my, 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 my brain or my mouth or my feet or what. It, like this is a, what what this isn't supposed to be. And then, if your your heart gets crushed, man, that's the worst thing. So your heart and your mind, and I, it's, it's, I really honestly, success is is overcoming fear. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think you've hit some some pretty valid like. Really big points there. So if you're okay with it, I would just like yeah, to kind of recap because those, those, those are some, you know, you, you have some great stories. And I think some of the keys in there, uh, I mean, first off, the success is overcoming failure. That that really is that really is it, right? I mean, you have to move through the obstacles and the adversities. And, I'm not talking about money yet. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, it's, no, not, no. it's not even – and I think that's the great thing is that your stories – um, you know, in your life really sort of embody that, that idea that it's not all about money, you know, and it's, it's about these experiences that everybody's going to face. Like we had a, an event the other day and it was all about adversity. And, and the funny thing is, is that everybody's going to face adversity, yes. right? And, and everybody's definition of adversity and you know, what, what failure is like your definition of failure is different from mine. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the, one of the, the sort of red thread for success is 
is exactly what you said. It's just over, not, not even overcoming the fear. It's recognizing that there's fear there, yeah. fear of failure or fear of being judged or whatever that fear is. And then taking action anyways. Yeah. It's and like then Susan Jeffers' book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. feel it's the fear. Humility. And do it it's humility. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not knowing it's there, uh, uh, evaluating it for whatever it's worth, and do it again. Yeah. So, so where did you where did you learn that resiliency? I mean, you've mentioned a few times you've had some great mentors in your life. Um, uh, you know, this is profound, you guys. But you know, when you're young, you always remember a certain uncle. Yeah. I had an uncle because my dad was abusive. He wasn't a good guy. He just straight up he's mean he was a father was a cossack so he used to beat the snot out of him they used to have to make kneel on rice at 40 below zero and shake until it, it he was nuts okay so my dad it was good that my folks split up or i would have been probably in prison i would have been a mean sucker you know uh, not a good guy and, and that but i i really think at a young age you you got to learn to like i had to overcome i used to have dreams i, I could remember them like yesterday from around five to around six or seven, of having this bed always sliding into, we used to always go to a Fraser River. It was where my folks would meet because they could drink and smoke. It was out in Richmond those days and party on Garth. I mean, I used to see them falling in the water and driving home 20 miles an hour there. You know, no, it was a different time. And I just had this dream of my bed always sliding in that muck because it was so slippery. I remember, because I was a good swimmer, really good swimmer. Uh, it's because somebody tried to drown me once for a bully. Just I threw their ball. Uh, their ball came way out where I was, so I threw it to help them out and threw it back. So I had a good arm. I used to play baseball. Hit his girlfriend in the head accidentally. Guy looked at me, swam out and got me, and almost drowned me right in front of the lifeguard. The lifeguard was afraid of this guy, and I was like, dude. So I found out one: th- you can't rely on anybody at a young age. The guy in authority was chicken. So that kind of stuck with me. All these little things are building blocks to to what you're doing. But um, uh, just, I lost my train of thought there. Um, Sliding into the river. Oh, yes. Now imagine having this all the time, nonstop, where you have to wake up and you feel like you're going to drown. You're getting claustrophobic. Mm. Well, certain time, I just, I went all the way under and I heard myself breathing and I went, this is it. This is okay. Mm. And I slept. I was half conscious, subconscious. It was some, it was like overcoming one of my biggest fears. And I could tell you from this day, that any time I've got up against big walls, like great one in business is, oh yeah, you need 40 grand this month and you got 22. <gasps> hey, well, okay. If I started thinking too much here, I'm going to send, I'm going to get a little stressed out here. I'm going to tell you, because this is real. And that, where it's, wait a minute, I've been through this before. Take a deep breath. I could hear myself breathe. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, Brian, oh no, it's Okay. It's funny how equations or it's solutions always happen once you, you, you get faced with the right answer at the problem. Hey, wait a minute. This, I've been through this before. Wait a minute. Life goes on. How do other people do? What, what's going on? All of a sudden, this, this, some money would come somewhere or we didn't have to pay this off to that or the bank, we finally got this loan or something. Because Linda and I started on a dime. We started with 15 grand and I went back to work. Uh, I was uh, in the film industry. I, I could have been a driver, but I chose to be a security because I wanted to be a cop at this time of my life. It was very interesting. So I thought, what do I do for a career, man? I missed out, right? I came out of the, the gate way late in life. I was a late bloomer, as you'd say. I didn't go to university. I, uh, I would have loved to have been a teacher, sociology, man. I, I think it's interesting. And people are interesting, thus I meet a lot of interesting people. But anyways, um, in, in regards to that, I, I really find... Like, just that to succeed, 
you got to break a work down. Or I mean, people can sell a lot of books on a lot of stuff. You can vamp on it. Words are very powerful. But it's like somebody once said, Brian, like my mentor says, if you can learn how to balance one blend, then you'll be able to balance 30. You just got to learn how to balance that one. And you know what? I got to be honest with you. It took me five years. That's patience. That's time. I got partners. Like we're a family-run business, but they're looking, Brian, wait, you got to make us some money, dude. Like, like you're not making us any money. You're losing money for us. And I'm like, yeah, but we, we can't compromise. And all these kind of naive, youthful uh, uh, principles were now, well, we got to do this. Well, you guys, that's the very thing that got us where we were is being real and, and, and so forth. Anyways, I, I don't want to lose that train but when you get over some of those milestones of uh, whether it's a, a bad dream or people making fun of you on the coffee remember i'm a bit hyper i'm five foot eight if um i always have been you know i'm gonna i'm gonna play guitar man i'm gonna go and get in a band and people laughing kid you not you know i'm backing up sagging the commodore i just that guy man i just i just believe it's possible if it was it wouldn't come into here mm-hmm. yeah. and I'll put I'll bet my life I'll put my life on the line to bet that my horse will come in because I'm betting on this horse mm-hmm. I think I think what you're really talking about and for me like my um, it's almost like you're defining uh, a bit of my definition of mastery right. you know that that dedication it that is, commitment you know when you talked about blending you know one being one, one versus blend. yeah one blend versus 30 I think the the really interesting thing there that that really hits on process. is yeah is the process and the, the dedication that it takes to just get that one thing that well whatever that is whatever that is for people whatever that is for you know because everybody it's different right whether it's music whether it's art whether it's um, you know whether it's engineering whether it's science it doesn't matter what what you're really invested in but it sounds like you know it's that commitment and it took you five years to get that mastery of that one that one area and then once you have that then you can you have the foundation to build it on and I think what Good where said. well said man where a lot of people end up going astray is that they try and master so many different areas, right? They try and master the 30 blends first yeah. before That's mastering where you collide. You know what? That's a good word up, man, for, for it's, it's, it's very sobering. Yeah. And you know, there's one of the first things about that mastering is humility. I like this. Somebody says, it's good to humble yourself than humiliate yourself. I like it. They're both feature words. They're both at the same root, yeah. you know, and, and like yourself enough to to keep honest with yourself. Hey man, I have to, I got millions of things I got to overcome in life. I mean, my head sometimes, the stuff I think, things I see, sometimes anger, you know, you just go stupid. Like being a father and having a daughter who's 19, who, whose mom is very mellow and wants, believes in, she'll learn by example. No, they need to have a conscience. You know, (laughs) all I know, my daughter's got both, but I love that perspective because I love the fact that even coming here this morning, I went, you know what, talk about this. It's, it's all, you know, each day it's irrelevant. It's, you know, but at the same time, what you said, mastery, at the very beginning is you are, like whether you're going through that park, you're mastering your fears. Mm-hmm. You're mastering, you're finding out that, that the bark is bigger than the bite. Engineering, uh, people are coming out of university, they owe 80 grand. Oh, that 80 grand will go. As long as you realize, here's one thing, have a little more patience than you did with with spending the money you didn't need to spend. You don't need money to define you. Right. You need yourself 
to define you in that essence because the money is a great tool because it, 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 it represents what you value. Money represents what you value. If it's just frivolous, well, then maybe work on your, 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 yourself that way because that's what we're talking about is some, some sobering pr- perspectives here. Well, I, I think, sorry, I didn't no, no, don't mean to cut do. you off, but I think the other, the other component of it is, and the one thing that I really um, gleaned out of you know, your dialogue before was, was that sense of self-worth and self-belief. And, and I think that that is, you know, that's huge for a lot of the guys out there yeah. and, and even the women that are listening. <clears throat> for a lot of the men out there, it's, it's, it's wanting to feel as though they can believe in themselves with that uh, almost like, it almost takes a little, like a little hint of like reckless abandonment. You know, that sort of like... It takes, re- it I, takes total reckless yeah, abandonment. To just believe. To believe. It's, it, 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 and because how can you... There's one thing about that word, reckless abandonment. It's, it, you can't have little. You either have it or you won't like... That person, no, I'm not saying go and bet everything on that horse, but bet everything on your horse. Yes. And, and patience. And the, don't scale yourself to other people unless you want to read their book and you'll go, oh my gosh, you started there? Because yeah. you're going to find out that most of these people, all, you know, have people have imaginations, have a, a work ethic, mm. or have this great sense of tenacity. I... I Fine. And uh, one of my mentors is Gowan Guest. I, I got to bring this guy up. He's my wife and I at a very low time of our life during the recession were his housemates. Man, my wife was the house manager, and I was the guy just doing odd jobs around the house. I learned a lot of trades that year, and I and I didn't know what to bid. So the guy got a great deal. I mean, now I know because I pay people. I'm like. Dude, you're charging me like 3500 bucks. I did that, something like that for 175 And the guy would say, man, too bad for you. And I wasn't, I, I didn't know, you know, what to charge. But all I knew is I'd do a kick-butt job of it. Right. But we worked for Gowan Guess. And here's a guy who was uh, uh, John Diefenbaker's or Mackenzie's right-hand man, one of our prime ministers, who got into law and this and that. Anyways, he became a very well-off man. And he would always love talking to me with he would talk to me like he was 18 years old. And it wasn't like he was trying to recoup his life. He was a well-off man. He was, uh, he's, he's got a book out called No Regrets. He had a crazy life, Irish guy, great story. But he, at a very low time in my life, I could say this, where I was great shape, I could run 20 miles, uh, you know, I was looking my best, you know, grow a beard then, that wasn't great. And, uh, you know, and... Uh, but I'll never forget, he included me in a conversation once because I was at a low time. I just wasn't feeling, I go, even in my mind, I'm going like, I'm the servant of these guys. Well, I've really come far, 33 years old, you know, and I was getting a little self-joking about myself. But there was something so genuine about this person's interest when he would talk to me. He says, Brian, because I'd bring him coffee. He found out I had good coffee. He wanted to support me. Now, here's something about a real local. This guy would go out of his way to support local. And even so, he says, Brian, I do have a lot of uh, stocks in these coffee companies here. But that's just, you know, office coffee. It's a little bit of money. Your coffee is real coffee. And I was buying it from Milano at this time. But here's what he said one day, talking to his sons, because he had two young sons. And he was trying to, he was always a sociologist, this guy, always a philosopher. And he says, like my generation, he says, son, your, your, your father and my father, uh, their generation was post-war. So they coasted uphill. Don't let anyone tell you about hard times. You couldn't go wrong. It was hooked on a track. And, and he was starting to explain economics and history to me and war. He's a very, he's an educated man. And I, he says, we coasted uphill. He says, 
But he says, your future is turning green coffee brown, your business. I says, no, no, I'm not, I'm not a roaster. He says, your business. He spoke it right into me. He says, he didn't listen to me. He says, your business, because he was trying to make a point of how he saw what I was doing or where I'm going or whatever. He says, no, Brian, you turn green coffee brown. You buy a commodity, you earn a commodities, and you're going to this market. And then he said to his sons, you're going to be the IT people. You're this. And then he says, in the future, we don't know. Uh, my grandfather was an, uh, 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 a construction guy. That was the building. He was an industrial. Like, so they all have validity in their time and space through history. But when he said that to me, he gave me the sense of dignity. Then he says, Linda, he says, son, do you want to sit at the pool? And, um, we can carry on this conversation. Remember, I'm sitting with a guy that sat with, like he's in, in City Hall. He, he consulted for government. And, he's, and he says, Brian, do you, do you like a little, you know, like, uh, you know, I know you might not be a big drinker, but I, my friends are just sending me all this Irish whiskey from around the world and cigars. Would you care? You know, like, I'd just like to have one. And I sitting out there. He says, Linda, Brian and I are going to be eaten by the pool. And I just thought, <laughs> my wife served me. <laughs> kind of cracked me. I says, thanks a lot, babe. Yep, we're over here. I didn't have to say that. Just that look. And she gave me. So I sat there, and this man included me and had a cigar and this and that with me. Or a pipe. He had pipe. All these pipes from people gave him gifts because he was well off. He lived up in 25th and Cartier. But I'll never forget that the dignity that guy gave me. And then he would ask me, Brian, I know you do security in the, the film industry. He says, you know, like we go away for a couple of months. Would you, you know, I, I'm just saying, would, could you maybe drop by the house once in a while? Or if you'd like, uh, you could, you know, you could stay here. And I says, I appreciate that, sir. But, uh, and I did call. I didn't call him by his first name, Gowan. It was Mr. Guest. He even was mad at that. Was, you know, my name's Gowan, Brian. You're, you're aging me. Or, you know, making me older. But you know what was profound? This man, his humility, when I says, but sir, my, my wife's friends or, or family's coming in from Saskatchewan. I go, you seen the, the movie, The Griswolds, you know, with Clark? I says, well, that's that family. They come in an RV. They, and he goes, the more the merrier. And I says, yeah, but we're talking, we're, we're talking a lot of them. He says, oh, that's great. And I went, Really? So we, he says, yeah, you all move in. You can have our bed. This, don't worry. It's big. It's so big that my wife and I, you know, we're both six foot three or something. There's plenty of room. You and your wife, you have an argument. It's great. You don't even see the person until the next morning. <laughs> and he was one of these guys. And, and by the way, Brian, if you ever, you know, this is where the, the food is or the penny or the, if you need money for beer, Linda knows where it is. Don't you worry about it. But Bill McEachran comes in every once in a while. You know, the Supreme Court judge. He was an icon. And, and he said, he lives across the street. Let's come and do his swim. I says, you sure, sir? Like, I mean, uh, Mr. Guest, uh, I mean, we're, we're a bunch of hokies here, man. Like, this is what I'm thinking in my mind. The dignity, because this guy saw young Canadians, man. He had no bias, no, he didn't, his money wasn't his rule. His rule was personality, tenacity. I saw somebody where my friends I grew up with, uh, you know, the, the, the mockers. You know, you're always going to get those at that age, the 30s, you know. The, and believe me, you need those guys, because they actually, it's like a, life's like a pinball Game. Sometimes you need to bounce off a lot of those. You get a lot of points because it shoots you right. Uh, it just don't sink. Exactly. But I had to say that because Mr. Guest is, uh, it, it, it's phenomenal that I had the, the, the grace of being able to meet and somebody like actually, we worked for them for around two, three years. And I went from there and the rest was history. Tons of green coffee and make it brown. But this guy said something to me that I'd, I really, I, I said, you know, I don't have no money for this. I, I can't imagine. My folks weren't well off. I was left maybe 20 grand when they all went. You know what I mean? Or this or that. So anyways, I, I had to bring that in there. I, I am a little personal when I talk about it. I do apologize if I don't sound too... Uh, I love, I love that a lot.
All right, uh, Man Talks community. So we just wanted to take a minute to tell you about something that's really exciting. It's it's something that you know the entire team has been working on for quite a while. And it's something that the Mantox community has actually been asking for. Uh, you know, we put on monthly events and we get, you know, 150, 175 people out every month. And the community has really been asking for a full one day event and for us to bring in some, some great speakers and to, to host a big event. So that's what we've done. Um, we've, we've pulled together some pretty incredible speakers. And we have an event coming up on November 7th at the Vancouver Convention Center. So just to give you a quick idea uh, of who's coming to speak, we have uh, Brian Scrone, who is the founder of uh, Board Meetings. And he's going to be flying up from California to come and talk. He's spoken at Harvard and the Pentagon, which is pretty pretty incredible. Some top secret stuff probably happened there. Uh, we've got Philip McKernan, which if you know of Philip McKernan, he's a very powerful speaker. Uh, he's spoken on stage with the likes of you know Richard Branson and the Dalai Lama and some other crazy, crazy people around the world. Um, we've got Daryl Kotke, the CEO of Kitten Ace. Uh, Daryl was fortunate enough to be the sixth employee at Lululemon and work his way up and is now founded uh, Chip Wilson's new company, which is absolutely incredible. Um, we also have Sachin Raha, who is the founder of Warrior Sage. We have uh, Jay Demerit, who's the ex-captain of the Whitecaps. And we have Brian Scudamore, who is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So we have some absolutely, absolutely amazing speakers, and we've worked really, really hard to, to bring you a, just a kick-ass quality event. So we really hope that you'll check it out again. It's called the Man Talks Intensive, and that is going to be November 7th at the Vancouver Convention Center. So for more details, just check out the uh, Man Talks website. And, uh, but, Connor, that, but Connor, but Connor. Yeah. You don't even need to go to the site right now and get tickets because we have a chance for you to win tickets to the event itself. Oh, you're right. Yeah. All right. you need to do is post something that you think represents a modern man on social media, tag three friends that you think are kicking ass, and hashtag it Man It Forward for a chance to win two tickets to the Mad Talks intensive event on November, on November 7th in Vancouver. Like Connor said, full details can be found at mantalks.com. All you need to do is post a picture, a quote, a video, just something that you think represents a modern man. Don't forget to tag three of your friends that you think are kicking ass, really, really showing what it means to be a modern man, and hashtag it, man it forward for your chance to win two tickets to the Man Talk Intensive event. Very cool. Awesome. I love it. Man, man it forward, my friends. Man it forward. <laughs> man it forward. Let's get back to somebody who's definitely manning it forward. No, I think this- I love I love that I, lo- I love that about you though. You you know you are personal when you talk, and I, w- one thing I'm, I, I keep hearing is your senses are so important to you. I mean, I, I hear the yeah. you, words are important to you, sounds are important to you, uh, taste, taste. No, I know t- taste and smell and <laughs> and uh, you know that's I, I really really to appreciate live that life, about you. as they say. No, right? I, yeah. I was very very I was brought up in a very sad environment at a young age. All I saw was people cry and weep, and I just thought, I think really, it was, the, the great thing about pressure sometimes, think of it like a slingshot. You know, and somebody once said, look at, you know, this is kind of cornball, but look at David, the great story of Goliath. Man, he, look, all he knew was a guy who spent, his skill was like an arrow. He was like a marksman. That's all he knew how to do. He spent just thousands of hours honing his craft, whatever it is. He had no fear, but just the, I look at life as that pressure that just keeps pulling on that, you know, because I, I, I have a perspective. I think we're all very, very specially 
made. I'm a creationist. So if you want to look at a heady term like that, but this here's what's amazing. Through all the pressure makes, pressure makes silver, pressure makes diamonds, pressure makes gold and certain resins. But I think what's- Pressure kind of, makes espresso. Wow. I know. And it's very interesting. You said that. That is, thank you. But I just get the slingshots. I like those things. And I used to work on them when I was doing security uh, in the film industry at this mountain. I used to be able to get pretty good at it. So sometimes I always thought when life is stretching the snot out of me, two things could happen. You get a couple of good shots. So don't, don't take that for granted. When you're going through a hard time, realize it's building something. But aim, man. Make sure if there's anything so you don't go chaotic. I mean, I know a lot of people who end up becoming, you know, a different lifestyle. And they, they're, they're not living today, you know, because they put their anger. There's a positive side of anger. Yeah. But it was great. Pressure sometimes creates... That, that thing to shoot you in the right direction. So I, so as long as you're aiming at your goal and not at spite, people are, I think, people are there just to rebound off, man. No one, you're, you're, we're all people. We're all like special and got this great thing. And that's great conversation. We go on. I mean, I think people are amazing. And it's one thing when you do start to see these things that you do and you come out one day and you look and you go, wow, the war's over. You come out of your trench. All you were doing is what you had to do because we all got to go through fear, man. Fear sucks. Yeah. It, it really, but there's also, it's the thing that says, well, if, if my blood pressure's not good, maybe I better start walking or, or running or being brought up in East Vancouver. Maybe I better learn how to get in really good shape so in case somebody tries to mob me, you yeah, know, you guys. I grew up from that area where, like, you had to run through that park, right? Well, I think I think what you're talking about on on a lot of levels is is resiliency. You know, whether it's emotional resiliency or physical or mental resiliency, it's that it's that resiliency so that you know when life does kind of pull you back, um, you know, you can sling shot in the right direction. Uh, we so we're going to need to start wrapping it up soon, but. Um, you know, Roger, is there is there one specific thing that you kind of want to dig into? Like, you yeah, know, I mean, I'm, we usually I'm, we I'm, usually ask about masculinity, and then... I'm curious. I'm curious what Brian's sort of definition of masculinity is today, and 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 what he thinks a man's role is in in this modern world. It's a big question. I I, I went over that last night. I was one. I usually like to do these word studies. My whole goal. I, my phone crashed, so I wanted to uncrash it. So I could. I wanted to be up at five thirty, and just because I'm good. at at that time when I'm up early and could go over stuff like this and have those great profound times. But you know, what, how is masculinity termed? Like uh, I was thinking about the old shows uh, I used to watch with my mom with, uh, uh, who was those guys, you know, frankly, I don't give a damn Clark Gable. And I was watching the show. I remember my dad was a martial artist and you know, you got to always get him back. Son, you know, so I says, mom, that guy's a coward. You know, because some guy would slap the, him in the face, like Clark, you know, or the big guy. And the mom says, no, son, you don't understand. That is a real man. He is taking it because he is, he, is, he is not just going with emotion, this and that. I just thought, no, no, you hit me, I'm going to hit you right back. You know, you're thinking this in life. So, okay, so let's look at 50 years ago. Masculinity was looked at as a gentleman who would grab, you know, would grab the hand of a man that was slapping a woman and, 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 and defend them, but you still wouldn't want to hurt that person. They'd want to disarm that person. I think nowadays, what is masculinity? We got UFC, we got a lot of different machismo perspectives, which is very profound in a time of 
uh, social enlightenment for men in our relationship with women in, in time and space here, which is really good these days. I, I, you know, it used to have the generation gap and, you know, men used to be this way and women were, it was, it's, it's an even ground. We, we respect each other. We're both, we're equals, man. You know, uh, uh, you put, put us together and then we become one. You know, it's kind of, you know, that's cool and, and stuff. But I think you need that fire. You need to, that, that when you're a kid, you remember Spider-Man? He was real. Superman, because we all have that, that kind of uh, logos in us. This very, a very something, we have all have a, a very, I don't want to get into another conversation. But you know what's really neat is you need that fire, you need that anger, and this is what I'm trying to say. I'm not defining masculinity because, as you know, well, how can I say this? Dictionaries change now with words. Okay, so how can I? Dictionaries can't even keep straight on that. But I'll give you my interpretation of it if it means anything. Is when I met my wife, I'm going to tell you when I heard she was going to be at this pool. You know, we're all going to go for a swim in that. Well. I'm going to tell you, I got out. I ran five miles around my park. I did the 45-minute workout. I mean, I tell you, I just, I didn't, I just, all in between the door, isometrics. And I got my blood flowing. My humanity was in there. I'll tell you, my, my, my spiritual side was there because it's, it's in, you know, we all got that twist of life, you know, until we, <laughs> goodbye, you know, it's in there. It's very powerful. Right? That talk about, uh, um, what do they call that? Uh, uh, um, perpetual motion. Air heart just oh, yeah. boom, 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 just gives her. And anyway, so I found that all of a sudden I'm in this pool. I'm sitting with all these gals. And I could sit up and I could make sure my six-pack was sitting there. And I'm telling you, because I'm there because I like this girl. So I'm going to go with the text, typical, you know, probably perspective masculinity to to Because to me... Uh, you know, and I remember all those things what my mom would say, a woman likes this, a woman likes that. Remember, my mom was very dissatisfied with life, so I'm going to be that super guy. I think masculinity, man, when I think of that, is wanting to appeal to that person, that, that uh, for me, it was my wife, and feel good about it, that this guy that you picked is showing you that he's ready to freaking do whatever it takes to keep dating you and to uh, showing that, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of nothing. And I had this peace because every time you work out, you get this peace. So I did have a little confidence in my, my flesh. And I could have talked about when I got struck down by arthritis, what kind of had to define masculinity in a different way. Talk about a, a trial. I, I really serious. I got this crazy rheumatoid arthritis. It almost, that's, a, that's a story, man. I wish I could have came from that perspective because it might really encourage people who, who have some issues in life. Because crap happens, okay? But, but all I know is I was willing to do whatever it took to take care of this woman even if it meant me being wrong and I, I mean I, hey, I've been married 28 years man it's like if I could just say it's kind of funny we went and saw Toto and Yes on the weekend right and we had a, a meet and greet because I wanted to meet Toto the guitar player's a great guy I want to say hey I've been a fan my whole life that's He's a Steve Luca. They're just an unreal guitar player. He, they, they, they did 1,700 other songs and records after Africa. I just want people to know that. <laughs> These guys are giants. Their market was in Canada. But anyway, so we went there, and we ended up meeting the guys in Yes. You know, the originals. Man, Ellen White, um, keyboard player, I think. Uh, forget his name right now. But anyways, went through, and I just getting some signatures because my wife wanted to do it. I did not want to stand in the meet and greet. I'm not the groupie, but my wife... She paid the extra 30 bucks. You got to know my wife. It's like, I want my 30 bucks worth. 
<laughs> and that's why we're successful. She does the books, okay? Uh, seriously, I would probably just be having coffee with everybody. But uh, so what happened was I, I says, yeah, matter of fact, we're celebrating, it was September 12th, it was our anniversary. I go, we're celebrating our 28th wedding anniversary. And the guy goes, that's, I don't know, I don't want to say the word he said. He goes, hmm. And he says, wow, that's, that's impressive. And he says, like, after 20 years, how do you, how do you even like each other? And I, looked, and I looked, I was about to say it, and my wife did. We don't. <laughs> and he looked and laughed, and my wife, the way she says, we don't. And I says, yeah, we, we don't always, but we love each other. You know what I mean? There's that, 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 that. There was an opportunity. Now, uh, I could have been machismo and said, excuse me, and started a really good argument there, which I might have done. 25 years ago. Yeah, I, th- I think I think what you what, I mean again, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, that I really that I really enjoy about that is that it's you know you talked about Clark Gable and that uh, that sort of strength yeah. with at the same time with with reserve, yes. you know, and with with not letting our I think one of the biggest things that men often miss is that you know the the sort of definition of a gentleman is is somebody that understands his emotions and is able to be in control of it, right? And, smart, and, right? and navigate it, right? Well, again, and, and the root word of gentleman is gentle. Gentle, yeah. right on. Yeah, man. which is which is in, which it is insane. the meaning of words. I mean, go go yeah. to the old Webster's. C.S. Lewis said something great. I like reading, studying words. He says, "The day you change the very fundamental or foundation of a word, remember it was all built through time." He says, "You'll create the Humpty Dumpty syndrome, which we know all the king's horses, all the king's." Uh, horses, all king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. It was an old fable, but the story was, if you realize, he had toothpick legs. You, you know, he had toothpicks, and he was a big egg with a huge head, but he was off balance. He fell, and fundamental foundations. You're building, uh, I'm building a, a studio garage. You need a foundation. You need fundamentals. But it's true. If you do embrace a gentleman, like uh, gentle men, wow, I need to, women need that extra gentleman and I bet you you're, you're a real gentleman I could I really believe that Roger because Allison is fire she's sweet but she also comes you know we all come from some obscure backgrounds we're not all coming out of the gate right and I think in reality isn't this very interesting most of the people who don't come out of the gate right end up being very successful at yeah. something yeah. so they're that negative the positive side of negativity which is profound because I was that kid that should have most definitely would either die by the time he was 19 or do something kind of cool. Yeah. And I was very fortunate I did something cool. I think it is because I got into coffee simply because I wanted to meet people where that weren't always drunk. And even I have a friend right now who's fighting cancer really bad. He's probably has six months left. He was a heavy drinker and smoker, heavy. Now he cannot do that. He doesn't want to do it. And his, you know, people are all friends are calling them, you know, they're pissed out of their mind. He's still talking. He says, man, please, I, I can't even go there. This, every time I hear you, it reminds me of how stupid I was. Yeah. Now, here, here's my point is there's got to be that sensitivity to people. I think, you know, what's great about masculinity. And you see a lot of these building shows. I'm amazed at how guys could go in there and build a, 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 a house. And I wish I could do that for my wife. You know, I could only build... something special in the pound or build a company and that's with her but I found that it's it's that that sensitivity and that strength because anytime in the past where a car is whipping up the street I'm walking out of a car with my daughter and my wife and I see this car going there it almost hits us 
I jump. I, I'll, I'll just like give this really look into the car. And I remember these guys all kind of stopped and looked at me and jumped out. And I thought, oh no. I mean, I think I bugged somebody here because I made a very bad face and these guys all jump out and I says, hey man, I says, we walk, you know, kids walk across here. I says, just please don't want to run anyone over. And I just said, uh, and they looked at me and they heard my tone and I was really lucky. They go, hey man, no, I hear you. And they jump back in the car. But to me, was that masculinity or whatever? I think it was, it was taking care of, of, isn't that funny how you jump into protection mode and you didn't want to offend nobody. So it is something... I'm a little in between it all because I just celebrated 28 years uh, four days ago, three days ago. So I am redefining all this, the whole thing of masculinity. But you know what I love about my daughter is, is... she only she doesn't see what goes through your head. She doesn't see your problems, your chaos. That you you got to keep that cool. Yeah. You got to keep it like wow. Does she see me limping up the stairs like because of my arthritis? She used to see me working out and holding her and throwing up. Just I hope I don't let her down and in this weakness. So yeah, I'm going through this monstrosity of negativity for a couple of years. She never saw none of it. So now that I'm, I'm, I'm better in this and that, and uh, it was just a trial. It was my Jobian, Jobian experience where I was just laid base, what's important in life, and I went, those two. So with that, with that in mind, and, 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 and with, your, with your daughter in mind, and, and sort of the future in mind, what, what legacy do you want to leave on the world? Yeah. Maybe this is a good way to kind of wrap yeah, up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, what, no, is, it is. Uh, what do you want to, what mark do you want to leave? You know, I... I uh, Here's, here's something that is really important to me. I come from a really unsuccessful home uh, and the lineage of it. They're all really not just nuts. They're like gypsies in Ukraine and they're this and that. So I really don't know my, my back. They didn't even want me to speak Ukrainian. They didn't want me. I'm, I'm a Canadian, first of all. I am. And they said, you're a Canadian. We're teaching you English. This is your future. We want to get out of here because they've been killing us forever over here. It was not good, Ukraine and Poland borders those days. People need to realize that close to 20 million people were gassed. 20 million. And then there's the 6 million uh, uh, you know, Jews at the same time, whether they be included. It wasn't a good time in time and space. It really wasn't. So when you think of it, I always think I am the, the, the prayer of somebody getting... Some little ant getting thrown, up, you know, going, where's our lineage? Where I feel like I'm this little spore that the wind blew from Ukraine and landed in the West Coast. And, uh, wow, this kind of gets me. But my grandpa was a farmer. And that's what he was known for. He was really good. He had a green thumb. They, he planted, he was, ended up coming to Richmond from North Alberta, Northern Alberta, Spedden, Alberta. My mom was, went to school there, took business at a young age, left school. She was working for politicians. She was like a career woman. My mom was a very, very astute woman. I'll say one thing. My mom could have been a prime minister or a premier. She was very big intellect and emotional. Uh, they, were, they had some smart stuff there. But the most profound thing was my grandpa did not like me. I was not the one that looked like him. I looked like my dad. He did not like my dad. So to be able to be here and have a marriage, and hey, believe me, I, uh, I've been tempted like any man, forget it. I'm, I'm a very much a human being, man. And I don't want to, just because you're married, you don't think you don't have these, these uh, you know, <laughs> life happens. Uh, I've argued a lot. So I've been, not been the nicest guy at times. I, I believe reconciliation is, 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 is powerful. Reconciliation is what we do at the end of our life. Why not do every day of it? 
if, if it needs so be. But my, my legacy, hopefully, is, and this sounds maybe a little altruistic or corny even, but honestly, I, we were talking about money. We're going, it was about the money. We, you create a momentum, you sell it now if you wanted to do it. And you can make a fair amount of money because you spend your whole life building assets. Even these little joints here, like three, three fifty, you know, hundred grand to put together. And believe me, it's you got to work for it. You got to leverage your, this little business. There is a, an astute side of balance and perspective in building a business and knowing what your business is and and how to make it better too. Not just thanks for coming here. How how can we be progressive and not just get sucked into mediocrity, which. Here's my perspective. I come from the top of the mountain perspective. You know, mediocrity, and this is what I did write and I forgot about, but a legacy, this means a lot. I, I was reading mediocrity once, and there's a whole philosophy on it, and it goes back thousands of years ago. It's called halfway up the mountain. In other words, nobody could really get to the top, so this is good enough. So they sell you the view. You know, the, you can see the sales. We even saw old uh, uh, Warner Brother Melody Maker uh, cartoons with the guy, you know, like the sales guy halfway up the mountain. These were brought, you know, these were depicting these philosophies. And I found it interesting. And I, in my life, I just kind of says, well, can I go to the top? Yeah, but it's very alone up there. There's no one up there. I go, I hear the view's great. So that's been life to get to the top of the mountain to say to everybody, hey, man, it's only 30 more feet. Don't get con down here and there in your life and, and to be able to be from East Van and, and uh, be this, this whatever, I realized that the power of unity is more powerful than anything and that, that being my wife because people didn't believe nothing of this, none of this stuff would work when 25 years ago, 28 years ago, I says, hey, Linda, why don't you rather than you manage the Wedgwood and manage the cannery? They always wanted to manage and rather than me run people's businesses. Every time I got in, I'd work hard. I always work. I just, hey, let's, uh, let's do this. So this is how you play the drums? Okay, let's do it right. Because the great thing about being a musician is you're supporting that person. If you're a bass player, you've got to support that person. If you're a guitar player, you better make sure you don't give them a headache. <laughs> you know, and, and, and stuff like that. But that whole idea of being able to, oh, there it is, 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 is agreement. And this is interesting, even us talking about this. We, we're bringing in something positive because we all have a sense of agreement. We all have different perspectives of this conversation. And it, and, and it talks to each different person. Some people might think, oh, have another coffee, which I will uh, after a couple. But I've been used to this whole thing because at the core of it, I find that with humility comes on or with pride comes a fall. And I saw that with my families. I see a lot of times I, I, I see that. But the most amazing thing is to be able to have simply, you guys, a functioning family unit. Because how me as this person in past his midlife, wanting to make a world a better place and leave this legacy, how can I talk about being of effect to a world, a community, if I can't even be of an effect in my own house? I'm, oh, that's a pipe dream. I, I'm really challenged by the, 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 the smallness of, of how I could think, even though I have grand visions. Self-control is the hardest thing to have because sometimes you could beat yourself. Uh, we could be hard on ourselves. We could not be. We can make excuses for ourselves. I think it's not being too focused on self that gives you the, 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 the self-control. If you have people in front of you, I always find, and this is one thing about being in the hospitality business, hospice. The key of hospice is the word, the root, is to nurture, to bring comfort. So in essence, isn't it profound that in my upbringing, I had none of that. 
And I really just wished I had a normal house. I used to go to other people's places and want to stay there and go, wow, that's what a real mom and dad's like. Wow, adopt me, right? It sounds, it sounds kind of like the legacy that you, if I was to summarize it, it sounds, it sounds as though the legacy that you want to leave is an example of possibility. Possibility, absolutely, because it doesn't always work. We all, relationships, uh, divorce is up to 70%. I understand that. And I'm challenged with it too. Hey, I'll tell you right now, I almost could have walked out at the fourth year, could have walked out the 10th year. I mean, these are, uh, um, heck, sometimes it seems that, I always find when we're in the hardest times, we get along the best, even so we're humble. As soon as things get good, one of us might get cocky. It's just, we, we never <laughs> learn, man. Or we yeah. learn, always learning, you know? It's, it's wild. But to be able to see my daughter, Picking up what I've laid down, what I invested my whole life into it, I could go tomorrow, man. And I do live each day like it's my first and like it's my last. And, man, that's where that reckless abandonment comes from. Sure, you need a, you need a plan. You need a goal. you got to go in the right direction. But sometimes, I, I love that term serendipity, the silk road. Somebody, I was listening to somebody. Somebody was getting esoteric and, or whatever the term is. And I liked it. It's, it's actually, it's a road that is... Is is uh, you know is a higher way of thinking. I don't again to, uh, sound too too agey, new agey, but it, it it's it is true. Like people, you can't think like this old man thinks he is. You know what I mean? Or so you want to go. Wow, I am the definition of who I am. What I think. I'm actually daily getting carved out into this person. Yeah, it's kind of like that that journey of every day. I, you know, I think where I would just for time's sake, yes. we're going to need to wrap it up. But where I would love to to leave it is. You know, you, for me, really embody that. I think that this, the summation of what you just said uh, really, really was a great way to close it off, which is I live every day as though it's my first and as though it's my last. Yeah. And and just of, of reading about you and now having gotten the chance to sit down with you, I can really see that that you do that. You you live every day as though it's your first and your last. And, and that, that's about exploring. That's about creativity. That's about finding freedom that's you know that's about being an example for other people regardless of you know what their opinion is of you or or what you you know opinions yeah you get a million really those are the hammer the the hammer and the pick that carves you out in life is people's opinions because if you stay there no matter what they do they're going to help you be who you are man totally good bad or indifferent totally and you know when it comes to this when it you know if i was to think of Maintaining this business. Say I go up in a plane, you know, things happen. Boom. I always think that. So it yeah. puts you on the edge. I like it. It's really exciting. Yeah. No, actually. it's great. Well, um, better go here. It's that time. Yeah. It's, it's, our, it's our opinion that yeah. you, you're an amazing man. Oh, no. Very, you're very kind, you guys. I'm, I'm blown away. This, it's, it's, a, it's a real pleasure in life to meet gentlemen like yourselves and people who are interested in other people, all the people you interview, and even, just even being interested in what I'm doing because when you live this whole life sometimes going in another direction where you're a little alone it's true you guys are at top of the mountain and i knew cats like you exist i know it exists halfway up the mountain is here but it's only another 30 feet man you know what I mean? So thank you for letting me uh, thank you. have I like this time it. with that, you. That might need to be the title is join us at the top of the mountain. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks very much, Brian. Yeah, thanks Brian, what's the best way people can, can learn more about you? Um, you, know, you don't want to learn more about me. But, if one, th- <laughs> but one thing that's fantastic is, is we're highly progressive in the world of coffee. 
come to our places. I mean, the reason I say that we are loco, all our money stays here. I am all, I'm that guy. I'm the Ukrainian. My dad was Bohemian. Son, keep the money small, and then it could go and go to the bigger. But support all great enterprises start small. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. I love that saying. And let's just support, uh, you know, great thing about cafes is great ideas were born. Great businesses were born out of great friendships. We've done even interviews with CBC and the like here. We've been sponsoring the Jazz Fest for a decade. So we do a lot of ongoing things. Cafe culture is where you network and meet. So hit up, uh, us up at our cafes. I'd love to show you what's new, what we're doing in the world of espresso coffee. We're going into an international competition again this year. It's hosted in Thailand. Blind tasting, sensory analysis. It's very... It's like you're it's like starting all over. You get nervous and you got to do it again. But we've, we're hosting right now some of the best tech and newest technology. So I'm in my cafes and we're going to be doing some press releases. But please come in and have a coffee with me. And if you, you know, I always like helping people. I don't, you know, you, we consult, I understand. But if somebody just is in the neighborhood and drop by and has a question just regarding, you know, startup or coffee business, that I know a little bit. Because there's around three different business models in the world of coffee. And, and I seem to follow this one because this one is a uh, it's it's the top of the mountain one yeah <laughs> wonderful well thanks thanks very much for your thanks. time and thanks, uh looking forward to talking again man. yeah thanks brian um thanks. you can you can hear brian's uh interview as well as all of our all of our other interviews on the Mantox uh podcast at mantox.com on there we've got all sorts of uh, great blog articles all sorts of great uh uh information for for you as men um we're also going to be hosting an event coming up soon. Why don't you tell everybody about it, Connor? Yeah, so November 7th, we're going to have the uh, one-day intensive. We've talked about it on the last last couple of podcasts. But, um, yeah, basically we've got uh, Brian Scudamore, the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, coming to talk. We've got Jay Demerit, the ex-captain of the Whitecaps, coming to speak. Daryl Kopke, the founder and uh, – sorry, not founder, but CEO of Kit and Ace – um, and the founder of Institute B, uh, Philip McKernan. There's, there's, there's so many to list off. But um, yeah, if you want to try and win a pair of tickets for that, uh, you can uh, use your Instagram, use your Twitter, and use the hashtag ManItForward. Hashtag ManItForward. Uh, and, and what you want to do is, is put up something that really embodies what you think a man is or, or somebody that you think is, is really living that sort of gentleman lifestyle that we kind of touched on today. Um, and then tag, tag two or three of your friends in it. And that'll put you in a draw for a couple of uh, couple of free tickets. Excellent. All right, join us uh, next week for another episode of the Mad Talks podcast, where we interview amazing men doing amazing things in the world. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for your time.